Hello and welcome to the Aquarius Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Reed. This episode of the Aquarius Podcast is sponsored by Awaza. Now, if you haven't already checked them out, head on over to the Awaza website using the links in the show notes and check out their full line of filtration products. Learn more about the Smart and Biomaster external filters and the BioPlus internal filters. Also, follow their social media accounts on Facebook and Instagram to see more of these great filters in action. Now, on to the interview. Today's date is Wednesday, July 17th, 2019. My guest today is Eric Lucas. Eric is the owner of BuyPetShrimp.com, one of the finest places to buy freshwater shrimp on the internet. Eric has traveled the world for the shrimp hobby and spoken at numerous fish clubs in the USA. And of course, Eric was guest number one of the Aquarius podcast back on February 9th of 2018. So Eric, welcome back to the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me back, Randy. So you were a crazy enough fool uh, almost a year and a half ago to uh, answer this stranger's request to come be on a brand new podcast, and you said yes. Yeah, you know, it's pretty, I get a lot of requests to do stuff like that or whatever, and I usually say no, but I I can't remember the reason why I decided to say yes to you, but um, (laughs) for whatever reason I did, um, and it it worked out fine. And uh, Divine, Divine intervention. Yeah, no, it was really strange, but it worked out. Yeah, actually, I had to go back to uh, to pull that February 9th, 2018 date because um, I, I do that for every single episode, regardless of if it's live or I'm driving in a car, like whatever the crazy things I've done over the past 60 some odd episodes. And just hearing that intro, like the audio quality was pr- like, I, I didn't really understand the you know audio mixing and post-production sound adjustment and all that stuff. And not to say that I've got anything down to a science because I'm learning something every single podcast, but like it was real low volume and um, it, it just didn't sound that great. So, uh, yeah, I mean, episode one, thank you for, uh, yeah, thank you for being the guinea pig, Eric. Yeah, no problem. And, and through that though, I will say though, you did get a trip up to Seattle recently. Yes. I, well, I've been up to Seattle a couple of times recently. I was up there for uh, AGA and then to speak to your club as well. Well, I'm going to take 100% of the credit for bringing you up here for the uh, for speaking at the Greater Seattle Aquarium Society. So that's anytime I can get a guest on. I've, it's only happened twice now, you and Greg Steves. But future guests that come on that I have a hand in getting them to speak at the club, I'm going to wear that like a badge of honor. Yeah, no, it's uh, it was a great honor. I, I love going and speaking to clubs. So, um, you know, for me, it, it's, you know, public speaking has always come fairly easily to me. Obviously, you get a little nervous before any time you got to get in front of a group of people. But once you get rolling, it's fine. And, um, you know, when it's a topic that you love and you care about, it's really easy to all of a sudden look up and spend an hour and 15 minutes and they're cutting you off. <laughs> nice. um, which, ha- unfortunately, does happen quite a bit because there's there's you know, there's so many questions from people when you go give a talk like this, because most people have been in the aquarium hobby for 20 or 30 years, but they had no clue these shrimp exist. Um, so there, and you know, so there's always tons of questions, which I love getting questions during the presentation, because for me, it just breaks up the monotony of it. Um, and so before I know it, I'll be halfway through my presentation and they're like, Hey, you have five minutes left. So then I have to roll through everything else real quick. So I kind of put the stuff that I don't think is as important at the end of the presentations. But, um, you know, it's just it's one of those things that I love doing um, and I get to meet all kinds of new people. Um, People are very appreciative if you're willing to take the time to come talk to their club. Um, And it's something I look forward to doing a lot more in the future. Yeah, man. I mean, it was it it was a blast having you up. I mean, you're I think I introduced you, didn't I? Yeah. Yes, I I did. I did your introduction before you spoke. That was cool. but I don't want to give away one of your secrets, but you giving the uh, the candies at the beginning, am I, am I giving away a trade secret of yours? No, no. I'm, I'm pretty well known for, for candy. Dude, so when you're busting out that gigantic bag of Haichu and just passing that around at the very beginning, I think is instantly, it's like this icebreaker, you know, it, it, you're just able to really show that you care and that you're kind of involved and that you want people to enjoy your presentation and by kicking it off with one of the most delicious candy substances known to man aka the haichu that was phenomenal man that was such a clutch move and i i almost wish that like everybody would just copy that and just hand out candy or whatever it is a couple other speakers have done that um but that's so awesome to to do that and um, and then the way that you handled some of the questions too, not that there were any, I mean, it, nobody was trying to stump you, but you actually had a couple questions where th- 
I, I had never even heard of like the type of shrimp that the person was even asking you about or, you know, something very in depth in terms of coal selection or something like I had never even heard that brought up in a video or any of the forums that I perused or any of the Facebook groups. And you just handle it like, boom, like I'm a veteran, like, oh, yeah, I've done that before, blah, blah, blah. Here's my answer. It's like, damn, Eric, yeah, for, Eric knows his both. stuff. For most things, I, I, you know, for most questions, I, I mean, I've been doing it for about 10 years now. So I've encountered most problems that other people have encountered or most issues that other people have come up with. But if I don't know, I'm also not afraid to say, I don't know. You know, and I, I think a lot of times when you, you know, certain speakers or whatever, they feel like they always have to have an answer for everything and they have to be the expert and an expert would know everything about everything. But there's always stuff that we don't know. You know, so I'm not afraid to tell somebody, hey, you know, I don't know that, but, you know, I'll go home and research it and I'll get back to you or whatever, which I think is important to do because, I mean, I don't know everything. I know a lot about shrimp, obviously. It's my hobby and my job. Um, but there's, like you said, there's stuff that you had never heard of. There's stuff that I've never heard of. People ask me about some kind of shrimp that I've never heard of, what it's, what it's you know, requirements are or, or whatever. And I just, I really don't know. So instead of being like, Oh, it's this and this and this, and I think it's that and that I'd rather just say, Hey, I don't know. And I'll get back to you. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think, I think that night, I don't think you had any of those, but I completely, like, I know you and I completely believe, uh, that you would do that. Yeah, no, it's pretty rare, but I do get stumped. Believe me, it does happen. And, and you know how clubs are as well. There's oh, club <laughs> members always seem to have that one club member one. who feels like it's their duty Probably like five. to try to stump the speaker. You know, and it, it, it's it was something I was warned about. Um, in fact, Tom Barr had warned me about it before I ever gave my first talk. I was talking about giving a, a presentation and he was just like, you know, basically be prepared. There's always going to be somebody that thinks they know the topic better than you. And then you just diffuse it and be like, you get two high chews for stumping me. Yeah, I always give, always give them like 10 so then their mouth's full for a while, you know. <laughs> yeah, you got to find out from like your friend inside of like whatever club you're speaking at. Like, all right, who's the dude or the girl that's going to ask me the stump questions? Like when it comes time to Q&A, either spill water in their lap so they have to leave the room or just put a bunch of high chew in front of them. That's so funny because every group does that. Every group, I you know, I usually know somebody from every group, and they will say, oh, "Hey, nice. this guy here, his name is this. If he's there, be prepared. He's going to ask you fifty questions. He's going to try to stump you. Um, you know, and it's just it it comes with the territory. You know, people are passionate about aquariums, and you know, there there's some people that are very, very, very passionate about aquariums. So, um, you know, I welcome it. If I get stumped, I get stumped. You know, it's, it means I'm going to learn something new because I'm going to do the research on it and find out an answer. Wow, that's funny. That's so funny that like the clubs actually do that for you. That's awesome. It, it has happened multiple times, believe it or not. Because they know. <laughs> Every club knows, you know, they have that one person that's just like, you know, over the top about yeah. certain things. And they, they usually give me a heads up. Oh, that's good times, man. All right, so so what else have you been up to since uh, last year, February 2018? Um, well, I'm, I mean, I've been up to a lot. Um, uh, let's see. So, so in that meantime, we've had the, the shrimp competition in the USA, um, which was in October, I believe, in, in New Jersey. Um, and I entered, I think, four, either four or five categories, and I placed um, in all of them except for one which for me was really exciting. Um, I had only ever entered, I had entered the year before and only entered one, or sorry, I entered two groups of shrimp and I got first place in one category and second in the other. And that's the only time I've ever entered. So then this, this last year I was like, you know, I'm going to enter some more. Um, and I did pretty well. So I was pretty happy. You know, I mean, you're going up against some of the best in the world. We had five or six breeders from Taiwan fly in, um, and for me, it was just a huge honor to even get a, you know, even if I get a third place in a category with entries from eight or 10 other great breeders to me, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. So I was, uh, really happy with that. I didn't get any first places this, this last year, but that's fine. Um, but I got a couple seconds and a couple thirds. So that was awesome. Um, and then, um, and you were with Vin, right? Vin, Vin flew out too. Yeah. Vin, Vin came, um, and, uh, he, uh, hung out at the booth for quite a bit and, uh, talked to people and, you know, gave them his insight, you know, for as much insight as I have on the hobby, he has even more. Yeah. For, for, you know, for maybe those that don't know Vin or, you know, they never listened to our, our first episode, episode number one, um, where you talked about Vin a little bit, just give me like a, a quick two or three sentences on who Vin is to kind of paint the picture for those that are just hearing his name for the first time. Well, Vin, Vin is probably one of, if not the most respected breeder from Taiwan, which is crazy because in Taiwan, 
it's very uh, competitive and combative, and nobody ever says anything nice about anybody. Um, so, but most breeders will say, "Oh, Vin's a great guy. He's been super helpful. He's always helpful with people that ask questions. He's won numerous grand championships, um, numerous firsts, seconds, thirds, um, and he's just overall he's a really good guy for the hobby because he's very helpful." Yeah, no, he was definitely an awesome guy. Uh, you introduced me to him, and he just comes across incredibly humble. Um, you know, very, very happy guy. And there's no, there's like no like bravado or any arrogance that comes off of him that, you know, you would, you might expect from somebody that, that is so revered and, you know, produces, you know, a shrimp or a fish that is of that caliber. Uh, and the dude was just, he just seems incredibly, incredibly down to earth. And then the fact that you guys actually, like did a thousand mile car trip, right? You guys drove up from Sacramento, yes. California up to Oregon. So you and <laughs> you and like the number one breeder from Thailand or Taiwan uh, are just doing this like West Coast road trip to go speak at some some clubs. Well, for for me, it was I go up every few months when the uh, there's a group in Eugene, a shrimp club in Eugene that meets every three or four months. And I've been to every single meeting except for this last one. I couldn't make it. But um, so for me, it's like, the same thing over and over and, it, and it's a beautiful drive it's just it's like a seven hour drive each way um so but for him he loved it because obviously he's never been out to the west coast before or anything so you know driving past mount shasta and seeing all the mountains and the valleys and and everything on the way he loved it um so it was really exciting for him but it was a lot to, i mean he was here for about a week and a half and basically he got here rested for one day then we drove up to oregon he gave a presentation um, which, you know, um, English is his second language, obviously. Um, and he did very well, obviously, you know, people are always a little concerned when it's not their native language and they're going to be presenting to a group of 40 or 50 people. Um, but he did great. Everybody loved having him there. Um, you know, and then basically we came home, started catching shrimp to take to New Jersey for about a day and a half. Cause we took some, obviously for the competition, I had to pick my competition shrimp. And then I had to bring some to sell in the booth as well. So for literally a day and a half, nonstop, we caught shrimp. Um, and then we hopped on a plane and uh, made it to New Jersey and, um, you know, hung out there for a few days, had a great time. And then he went back to Taiwan and I came back home. Yeah, I'm, I'm really floored at how hardy the shrimp are. I know that when you and I had talked in the, in the previous episode that you had said, no, no, you know, shrimp are pretty hardy. Cause, and I was just blown away by it. But, you know, and I and I still am blown away at the ability to, you know, catch them uh, in, you know, California at your home and ship them across the country, show them and then, you know, sell them or bring them back with you. And they're still doing really like they're still healthy. Like these things, it, it's really incredible, like how hardy these these creatures are. I mean, even I was amazed in our in our tanks at the booth. Let's say we brought, I don't know, I guess maybe 500 shrimp. I don't think a single one died. Wow. Um, we, or at least we saw. Now, who knows? Maybe something died overnight and something made it or whatever. But nothing was we ever saw in the tanks was dead. Um, and surprisingly, our competition shrimp all did very well, too, um, which is pretty rare. Usually, you know, if you if you were to enter, let's say, five groups of four shrimp in a competition, pretty likely you're going to lose at least one or two of those shrimp over the two or three days that they're in that tank. Um, and and I, I think I lost one, and I don't think Vin lost any of his. And Vin's had come from Taiwan to my house to new tanks for four days and then recaught taken on the plane to new jersey putting new tanks there and then you know he took them home with him so it's, wow it's, it, <laughs> Jeez. It, I, I mean it's crazy you, you you you're right you would definitely think that there's no way these little creatures could go through all that and still be alive you know um but you know with when, when you know what you're doing and you have good you know they've, they've grown up in a good and healthy tank environment and you know the proper care for them they're actually pretty hardy little creatures, but you know, obviously, sometimes you know they die. It does happen. Yeah, yeah. To to completely digress and go back on your drive up to uh, from Northern California into Oregon, is Lake Shasta still like damn near empty, or is it? No, it's it's basically full now because the last two years there's been tons of rain. Wow. Um. So yeah, no. It, it when we went, um, it, it would have been uh. It would have been, well, fairly low because it would have been all the way through summer, and then the rainy season really hadn't started yet because I think it was like October, so maybe we'd had a couple days of rain. But it was surprisingly pretty full. 
Um, and obviously that's a huge lake. So it's like, you know, you drive and you come to it and then like five minutes later you see another arm of it. And then seven minutes later you see another part of it. And then eight minutes later you see another part of it. And it's like, you know, 40 minute long, you know, drive, you're seeing parts of the lake. So, yeah, cause, cause I think in, uh, in what was it? 2015 when we drove up there, moving up to, from, from San Diego, driving up through Northern California into, you know, Pacific Northwest, it was just incredibly, incredibly low. Like you look down over and it, it, it looked like the Grand Canyon. Like it was so far down there and it was amazing. Like this California is just going to, you know, freaking spontaneously combust. If Lake Shasta, which is known as like this water sport Mecca, you know, houseboats and, and every, oh, like yeah. all of that, like that's what Lake Shasta is known for. And tons you know, of recreation people, if you want something to Google map, you know, Google map Lake Shasta and, and check it out. And this thing was like, bone dry you see the watermarks of it just constantly dropping and leaving a watermark dropping and leaving a watermark it was it was incredible how low it was and i'm like man it's a, I'm, it's a good thing i'm getting out of this drought-ridden state <laughs> <laughs> well there's a there's there was a bunch of pictures going around about two years ago maybe three years ago of like you know like a bridge at the lake and like during normal time and let's say it looked like there was 40 feet of water underneath it and it was you know 600 feet wide of water and then you know in 2015 it was like bone dry nothing there that's happening yeah that happened when i lived in sacramento to uh, folsom lake i remember always watching the news like summertime it's like oh, oh yeah, yeah folsom lake we're, we're finding some other you know settlement structure that was that's been underwater for 50 60 well i mean more than that like a really really long time since whenever folsom dam went up well, yeah, Folsom, they had to cut. There was, like, no boats, or boats could only go five miles an hour for, like, a whole summer on there because it was so low. It was it was really bad for a while, but then, thankfully, last two years, we've got tons of rain. So it's uh, it's kind of made up for it, and I, I, you know, I would assume the drought's basically over. You look everywhere, there's still snow on mountains, you know, and we're a month into summer, so that's a good sign. Yeah, we're right now we're having this really weird, like, humid, super overcast, and actually, it, it rained the past couple of days here, and then it's like, is it? Is it mid July? Like, what's going on here? It's supposed to rain up until the four, or it's it's supposed to rain up until July fifth here. So it rains on your Fourth of July barbecue, and then it <laughs> kicks into like this perfect weather. But yeah, I, I, I digress. People are now getting way too much uh, Pacific Northwest and Northern California weather <laughs> right now. Yeah, no, we we've been pretty mild so far here, but about the last three or four days, it's been about a hundred. So once oh. it gets to a hundred, it tends to stay there for about two months. You may have a little deviation or go down to ninety seven, ninety eight, or up to one hundred six, one hundred eight, but we usually get about a good two, three months of a hundred degree weather here. Oh, so, man, I, I don't miss that. Oh, no, and that's when you no. make that. That's when you make that run out to San Francisco for the day and just kind of bask in that, you know, mid seventies temperature they get. Yeah, no, it's crazy. You just drive, you know, an hour and a half away, and it's thirty degree difference. So, yeah. yeah. All right, man. So, what else have uh, what else have you been up to? Um. Well, I um. I uh. Well, I think it was about in, in December. It was right around Christmas time. I'd always been kind of looking to expand the business a little bit because basically you've been to my house. You saw how it was. Um, I mean, I have a decent sized house, but when you're running a business out of it and you have one room all for aquariums, one room as an office um, with aquariums products, you have, you know, all your cupboards full of products. Um, it kind of takes over your home. Um, so I had been looking for something, you know, not not actively looking, but, you know, every few weeks getting on like LoopNet or whatever and seeing if anything around here was available and you like i said you've been here so there's not tons of like commercial areas or um you know uh retail areas very close um and i wanted something that i could literally hop in my car and be there in like two minutes um which so for we people, were driving which for people that don't know and to interrupt you your car is amazing oh thank you yeah no it's it's like my one prize possession <laughs> it, it, it is an absolutely awesome uh, dodge challenger but continue eric so, um, so, uh, my, uh, my wife, current wife now, my wife and I were driving, um, uh, down to the Walmart, which is just a few minutes away. And there's a little strip mall and it, uh, there was a sign that said for rent or whatever. And in the f five, six years I've lived here, I've never seen anything for rent there. So I gave the, gave the number a call, talked to the guy, super nice. We went and looked at a few units that were actually there available. And, um, I picked the one that I liked the best. It was cement floors. Um, it was wide, about 1,800 square feet, just wide open, um, uh, literally no walls or barricades or anything, just an 1,800 square foot wide open area, a restroom in the back, and then uh, uh, what they, I assume, used as an office um, as well, which I'll use for storage, um, you know, for products and stuff. But uh, we saw it, and I, and I really wanted it, and there was just, you know, some issues. Some of the, the floor was coming up a little bit, um, the cement, you know, from a tree next door. 
was pushing up the foundation a little bit. So they had insurance look at that. And before we knew it, it was like five, six months down the road. Still hadn't got in there. I, they still knew I wanted it. They still contacted me fairly often, giving me updates. Um, but finally, in May, I got the keys to the place. Nice. So, yeah. So um, I had a buddy whose uh, father-in-law uh, was a contractor, retired now. So he came for about three weeks over, you know, and he's an older guy. So we'd spend like four or five hours a day building the rack. Um, and so we built a rack um, that holds 54 20 longs against the left wall of the building. Left wall of the building is about 60 feet long. And so, and so, so let's, did, let's just pause and marinate on that. You said 54 20 longs. Yeah, it's, it's a, <laughs> it was a lot. Because yeah. right now, like, what what would you say? Oh God, because I mean, I've been in your fish room, and that's probably uh, or the shrimp room rather. The not your office, but in your shrimp room, it was how many how many tanks? Shrimp room was fifty, like fifty nine gallon aquariums. Fifty nine gallon aquariums. Okay, and and so just on one wall, you're already up to fifty four twenty longs. Yes. Awesome. And keep in mind, I like I said, it was December when I saw this place and I thought I'd be in within the I the original plan was for me to like go in January one and everything. So I had bought I had fifty two twenty gallon long tanks in my house. Did you just, just sitting here? Did you how many how many petcos did you have to pillage to get that many? Um, about 10. <laughs> That's go, so awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I the, the local store here in Yuba City, I'd get like you know, they, I think they got their shipments every Tuesday, let's say, um, and I'd go get don't every act, don't act like you 20 did, long. Don't act like you didn't and, know exactly when they got their shipments. Like, you knew the truck. You knew the drivers, man. You've had well, a, they you all know me as the shrimp them. guy. I mean, so, in fact, I just had to go back because I was two 20 long short for filling the rack. Oh, nice. And three 40 breeders short from filling the rack. And the girl that rang me up was like, you look familiar. Are you, are you that shrimp guy that used to come in and buy all the aquariums? And I was like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> well, because the moment you buy... The moment you buy anything over one aquarium, if you've got two aquariums in your cart in those terrible, terrible Petco carts that they have that are not meant for aquarium transportation whatsoever, they start I asking you pull, questions. I have them pull out the flatbed. And it, I always well, tell when I come in, I say, just pull out the flatbed. I'm going to take every 20 long you have <laughs> and every 40 breeder. And, and depending on what I was buying, yeah, that that's the move, right? But no. um, yeah, the moment, you, the moment you're buying two, they're like, oh, what are you doing with two aquariums? And then yeah, like- they're always- they're always very interested. Yeah, and then now and then when you blow your mind, their mind like, uh, do you have your cart back there? I'm gonna need ten of these, you know, twenty highs or whatever it is. They're like, what? What do you What do you mean you need ten of these? Like, it's it's yeah, no, it's like they're this always awkward, very interested. Yeah, it's like this awkward, really, really funny thing that happens that like if only people with multiple tank syndrome, only people that are building out a fish room get to experience that awkward joy of just completely freaking out Petco staff. Yeah, and it's like they like kind of like live vicariously through you. You know, they're like, "Oh my God, ten aquariums! What are you doing? <laughs> oh man, I I raise you know, I have angelfish. I have one aquarium. I'd love to have ten aquariums." And you know what I mean? It's like they're like they're they're so excited to see somebody be able to do something that in their mind they'd probably really like to do as well. Yeah, um, yeah. So. I mean, if if you're into the aquarium hobby, like who who wouldn't want to just go completely? you know, ape crap crazy and just get a ton of tanks. I know when I was first in the hobby in the early 2000s in seeing people's fish rooms on like monster, uh, monster fish keepers, or especially when you saw like dudes in the Midwest that would convert their basement into a shark tank. It's like, Oh yeah. my God, if I could do that, but it's like, no, I've got to, I've got to keep my 100 gallon t- or my 200 gallon tanks in the master bedroom that that's already weird enough. And then the 110 gallon in the kitchen, like that was already kind of pushing it. Um, but yeah. yeah, man, I mean, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm all about them living vicariously through me and it, I'll, I'll be happy to tell them what I'm going to do. They're not going to really understand maybe, but, uh, I, you know, I can, I can fulfill their curiosity and let them know what, uh, that I'm not making meth or any crazy thing like that. Yeah. 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 No, they're, yeah. They're always, like I said, like you said, they're always a little shocked when they see somebody cause literally I'll just go in and I'll just say, Hey, I need a flatbed. I need every 20 long you have every 40 breeder you have. Um, and then hopefully they all fit in the Jeep. Um, but I've got it down to a pretty good science. I can fit, I think 12, 20 longs in the Cherokee. Um, and I can fit three 40 breeders with three 20 long or with a 20 long inside each 40 breeder. Oh yeah. And then like, then like three or four on top of the 40 breeders. So it's, there's certain ways to maximize how many I can get, but yeah, I used to, I drive to Sacramento 
um, which is like, you know, 35 minutes away, um, depending on which area. And I just go hit every, there's like four Are you? and I'd go, I'd go hit every one until I had a full Jeep. Are, and you, are, you, home. are you hitting my old Petco bot off of a uh, greenback? Yeah, I, yes, oh, yeah, I hit, that, dude. That's you know, I used to live over there, man. That's my old oh, Petco. I used, to, I used to live. I used to live over there too. I used to live off of uh, Walerga. Oh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to Google Map that when we're when yeah, we're Antelope doing. and Walerga right there. That's awesome. Yeah, I lived off of. Uh, I lived off of Greenback uh, right there, off of uh, 80 and Greenback. Um, if you go across Greenback, that movie theater's right there. So that was yeah. Uh, I used to drive. I used to drive past that every day when I went to work from where I lived. Dude, that's so funny, man. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's a All right, small so, world. So you got the fifty-four, uh, the fifty-four twenty longs on one wall, and what, um, what other racks? What other setups are going in there? Because I know you'd said forty breeders. So I have. So that's the left wall, and that was a, a wood rack that we built, um, which was about, I think it's about fifty something feet long. So it was quite a process to build it. Um, and then, um, uh, and so the right wall, and that's is, tri-level, right? Yeah, three tanks. Okay. Um, I think the, the bottom of the first tank is about 18 inches off the ground. So I didn't want anything too low to where I have to like get on my belly to see into them. Um, and then, but I didn't want anything too high as well. But the, the top row, um, I'm about six feet tall. So the top row, if I'm wearing flip flops, I can barely see the bottom of it. If I'm wearing like my normal shoes, I can see into it. Well, um, what would you rather have, too high or too low? Like obviously that middle height is going to be perfect, but which would you rather bias towards? The height or the low? I'd rather I'd rather have too high mm. because too high I can just get a little step stool and move it around and do whatever. Um, with they're too low, I mean for me, you know, it, it it's I mean I'm getting older. It's kind of a pain to get down on the <laughs> ground and look into a tank, you know. Yeah. For me, it's much easier to just take one step up on a stool and be able to look in. Um, plus, uh, you know, I don't really uh, siphon water out too much anymore. But when you're siphoning water, it's much easier to get it out of a, uh, an aquarium that's seven feet off the ground compared to six inches off the ground. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so the right the right side of the of the building, it's a shorter wall because um, that's the wall where the uh, office is, and then there's a restroom. So it's probably about I don't know, maybe forty. I think it's forty eight feet or something that wall. But um, so I did. Um, uh, Home Depot has a 96 inch Husky rack. I think they're called. I have one of those. Yeah. So I did four of those on that right wall, um, tied them all in together, butted them all in together, screwed them all in together, uh, screwed them into the, uh, uh, studs. So they're all secure and everything. And basically the top row, top, top row is storage. And then the bottom row is storage and the two middle rows have aquarium. So it fits 16, it's technically it's 1240 breeders and 430 breeders just because I already had 430 breeders here at the house. Um, so I just reused them instead of buying four new tanks. Um, but so there's 16, uh, 40 breeders and 30 breeders on that right wall. And the right wall is going to be about seven or eight tanks for Neocaridina, which I hadn't had in years. Um, but I'm starting up with those again. Um, and then I have about seven 40 breeders that are just for, uh, growing out boosts. Um, and then I have a tank for crypts, which it really sucks. I had all these really nice rare crypts that I've been growing out in my tanks here at the house for the last two years. And I, the tanks were cycled. I mean, they've been two and a half months with Amazonian. I figured it was fine to add the crypts. They wouldn't melt. Um, but I planted them all, and then within like three or four days, literally every single one melted. Oh, nice. Um, so all those leaves that have been growing for like two years, you know, nice big bushy crypts are like down to nubs. Wow. So hopefully they grow back. Yeah, yeah. And so you're only so you're gonna have tanks on just the just the two long walls then. Yes, okay. so that's that, that's phase one. Um, now obviously, if things go really well and I need to expand more, there's tons of room in the middle of the store to right. build another rack. Right. Or whatever, which is what I what I wanted as well, because I didn't. You don't want to be moving this stuff even <laughs> no, once. No. So um, and then basically, so what it'll be right now is, so I, I got a couch for in there. Um, I have a a, um, a video game tech and tag tournament. Um, I'm trying to get a few more arcade games. Um, so if anybody that's listening to this knows anybody that has a. a it's a dual machine. It's NFL Blitz and NBA Showtime, NBA on NBC. <laughs> if anybody Love has it. one of those or knows somebody that has one of those that wants to get rid of it, fairly reasonably priced, send me an email through my website or whatever. Um, I'm looking for one of those. I'd really like to add that. But basically, it's going to have a couch. You know, the couch will be more in the middle. I have it in there right now, but it's kind of just 
pressed up against a wall because we're st- it's still a work in progress. Um, but um, you know, ideally, I'll have um, and then actually somebody that uh, a local shrimp keeper here had a coffee table aquarium. Oh, nice. That that they um, no longer needed. They didn't want it anymore, um, and they were getting ready to uh, uh, expand and do more shrimp. So I had told them, you know, if you don't want it anymore, I'll give you, you know, X amount of dollars in store credit for when you're ready to buy more shrimp. If, you know, you just want to leave it for me or whatever. And they were fine with that. So it's a 20 long inside of it and it's got a glass top. Um, so for that, I think for right now, I'll just kind of leave it as it is as, as a, just a coffee table. Um, but maybe ultimately add water and shrimp or fish or something to it. Um, but for now it's just one extra tank to worry about. Um, so yeah, the shop's coming along really well. Um, it, I basically added 90% of the shrimp that are going to be in the shop to their tanks. Um, everything's going really well. You know, uh, you know, have a death here or there, but when you have thousands and thousands and thousands of shrimp, it's bound to happen. You know, so I don't really freak out. Like, you know, people always ask me, "What do you do when you see a dead shrimp?" And I'm like, I just grab it and pull it out. To me, it's like if you have thousands of shrimp and they only live two years or so then you're going to come across dead ones fairly often. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, everything, basically all the shrimp are in the tanks. The right side, I moved all the booths over. Um, I have some, ne- I have Neos in all the tanks breeding. Um, so now it's just kind of a, a, you know, a waiting game and kind of cleaning up and, um, you know, figuring out how I want to situate what I have left. Um, like I said, I mean, it's basically a huge, wide open middle area. Like the, the, the racks are, you know, butted up against the walls. So I have, you know, let's say 1400 feet of just wide open space. So it's, it's, it, it kind of looks weird when you walk in and everything, but once I move the couch and, and do a few things, I'm going to put some tables up, um, just to make it easier. I have a shipping area that we built in the back corner, um, so it, it's coming along, but it's a work in progress. It's hard when it's really basically one person doing everything. Yeah, no, I can I can imagine. Um, let's talk water changes. So you didn't mention anything about you know drilling tanks, uh, bulkheads for overflows. Are, are you doing all going to do all manual water changes? Yeah, well, so far it's been me a little bit, but I um, the landlord's or I should say the property manager's son. The property manager lives just around the corner from me. Um, his son is like sixteen, I believe, and he's always when he'd come by and everything, he's always, you could always tell, he's always telling us, like, you know, you need to get a job. You need to do something. Go here, apply here. You know, he's always on him, on him, on him about it. Um, so I mentioned to him, I said, hey, you know, I'm going to need help with water changes, you know, one day a week or whatever. You know, he can come help me out and, you know, I'll just give him a few bucks here or there. So he's been helping out the last three or four times. But, yeah, basically, um, I have a transfer pump that would go from tank, you know, the 20 longs on the wall take about five gallons out with a transfer pump that takes about 45 seconds to a minute, um, for each tank. Um, and then, uh, we, I have, um, a bunch of brute trash cans and some 55 gallon drums that I fill with RO water to refill them. And it takes to do the left wall. It takes about three and a half hours, which isn't really that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the right wall takes about an hour and a half, um, with the 40 breeders. So I have him come basically do it while I do other things around the shop. I'll usually, um, you know, add uh, the bacterias back in, the GH back in. But as of right now, there is, um, there's no auto top off, auto. I just, I always see stories of people with auto top off systems and something happens and, uh, you know, a valve breaks or whatever. And, you know, if I had it hooked up to even 50 gallons of water to walk in and see 50 gallons of water all on the floor wouldn't be a good thing. Um, yeah, and I guess, and I guess to go back to something I've been talking with Corey about, with uh, you know him building back his his fish room to get back into breeding, and some of the things that made him very passionate um, as an aquarist is him purposely selecting with his new with his new setups to not do auto water changes, um, an auto water change system to force him to actually actively engage with his tanks. Um, yeah, and, it's, that's a- and, and for you as a business, like that just sounds that much better for you because now you will be forced to be actively engaged with each one of these tanks um, on, on such a personal level, right? It's in the, the actual taking of the water out, putting the water back in, putting your remineralizers and GH and all of that other fun stuff that you shrimp guys do. Um, I mean, I, I guess that just in my head now, it, it just makes a lot of sense and it's going to be better for the health of your shrimp um, and just to keep you really connected and plugged in with each one of your tanks in the shop. 
Yeah, no, a lot of people have that same concern, like, well, why don't you do an auto top-off or an auto whatever system for it? And besides, obviously, like I said, you know, the, the risk of overflowing and whatever happening, to me, I think it's important to look in your tanks at, at least once a day. Um, you know, uh, so when you do the water change, for example, or when you're re-adding the minerals or whatever, it's forcing you to, to be present right in front of that tank for at least 30 seconds. And 30 seconds may not sound like much, but in 30 seconds, you can notice quickly if there's a dead shrimp that needs to be removed. Or in 30 seconds, you could see, oh, this one doesn't, the pattern doesn't look as nice in this one as the other one. Let me catch it and throw it in a coal tank. Or, oh, this shrimp, you know, it even had shrimp jump from tank to tank somehow. I don't even know how it happens. But sometimes that happens. You catch a shrimp out, put it back in its, in its other tank. But, yeah, being present, even if it's 30 seconds in front of every each tank you have. I try to do it every day. Now, obviously, I have a, a, a life as well. And, like, you know, yesterday I had to drive to San Francisco to pick up plants from uh, USDA. And that was literally a whole day process. Came home, had to clean the plants, sort the plants, take pictures of the plants, list the plants. So I didn't even get to the shop yesterday. But that's a pretty rare occurrence for me. Um, I try to go there every day, look at the shrimp. I mean, it's my hobby, too. You know, it's, it's a business, obviously, but it's also my hobby, and it's what I enjoy. You know, I don't collect stamps. I don't have baseball cards. I don't, you know, it, it is my one only hobby. So for me, it's also nice to go see all the shrimp as well because I don't have tons of them at the house anymore now. I mean, I, I, I'm redoing a bunch of the tanks here at the house, so they're cycling, and eventually they will have shrimp in them again. But like in my shrimp room right now, I think only like seven of the 50 tanks have shrimp. Mm. Um, so most of the stuff's over there at the shop. So for me, it you know, it, it's it's nice to just go there, take a look at all of them. Obviously, they're in, all in new tanks, new environments now. So it's kind of important to be on top of it because there there will be problems. You know, there I will, I guarantee I will have a tank where all of a sudden shrimp start dying. It's going to happen. Now, if I don't only go there every three days or only check each tank when there's an order from that specific tank, um, it's going to be a lot harder to get a handle on it and take care of it before it's a huge problem. How close are you to that awesome Mexican restaurant that we ate at? Uh, the one that we went to is on the other side of town. Oh, so I was say, that's man, like, if you're close to that place, that's going to be dangerous. No, but there is a there. There's a taco truck that parks right out in front of the little oh, strip mall where nice. I am. Thankfully, the food's not that great, but when you're <laughs> but when you're starving, anything works. Yeah. So I have hit it up a few times, but yeah, the place we went to is really good. That's the place that I um, have cater our uh, our shrimp meetup we do every year. Everybody seems to love it. One of the first questions they ask is, "Oh, are we getting food from the same place this year?" So I think they like it. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I love it. It's I need to quit eating it, but it's very good. Dude, that place that place is so good, man. Did I tell you that I got like deathly ill after uh, when I drove down to to Manteca for work? Uh. Uh-uh. So yeah, for for people that. Uh, that want to hear this fun story and why not you're listening to a free podcast um when i flew down to see you i it was you know coupled with a work trip so i flew down on a monday which is typically travel day so i fly into sacramento get the rental car go up and hang out with you and um you know we have a great time hang out went to a fish store um you know ate great mexican food and then as i'm driving down it's like oh man i don't i don't feel that great i get to manteca california where uh, i was going to do some work for a warehouse that we were putting up this is when i work for amazon and i got just deathly ill that night and i was in bed for the next like two how, how long was i there for i think i was in bed for the next two days straight um, so I get like deathly ill and I'm like bedridden. I've never been this sick before. It's 115 degrees outside. Uh, Manteca is just a terrible place to be when you're sick. That's actually where I'm born. So I'm knocking my own hometown and I, I, I didn't even have enough strength to pull my flight in and drive back up to Sacramento to take a flight home. Like I actually had to stay a full other day, work up the courage to drive to target, to get medicine, um, go back and just crash at the hotel room, completely freaking miserable, and then fly out one day earlier than I was supposed to. I did zero work, but it was all worth it because I got to hang out with you on Monday. So, <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't it wasn't food poisoning, right? No, no, it wasn't it wasn't food poisoning, man. I think there was just some other bug that I got, and I've never I've never been sick like that. And then with the hotel, it was. You know, the, these small hotel rooms, the AC units, basically, they're on full blast. And then once yeah. they hit their temperature, they shut off and then it gets super hot. And then they kick back on full blast. And so I was constantly fluctuating with the room temperature, my body temperature. It was just a freaking terrible time. Uh, so, yeah, good times. Thank you very much, Manteca, for uh, taking care of me, you know, 
coming back to my hometown. That was <laughs> that was not fun. Yeah, my aunt lives in Manteca, so I'm fairly familiar with it. Back to uh, back to the business and the hobby. How do you how do you balance and not burn out? You know, it it's hard, but like I said, it's my only hobby. So it's you know, I, I don't have a lot of other things that I go do. Um, and I just, you know, for me, it's, you know, I, I, I actually, I enjoy, uh, watching the shrimp. Um, for me, it's pretty peaceful. If, you know, even if you just have one little, you know, shrimp aquarium to just sit there for five, 10 minutes a day and just kind of get lost in that world. Um, which I noticed myself doing at the shop, even I'll just sit in front of a tank for five minutes and just scan the whole tank and look at every shrimp in there or try to, um, you know, it is hard, though. You know, they, they say, you know, don't ever turn your hobby into a business because then you'll hate it. Um, but for me, I really like the people, for the most part, that are involved in the hobby. Um, I have really good relationships with a lot of people. I consider many of them to be very good friends. Um, so it, it, it's easier that way. I, I still, even though it is a business, I still look at it as a hobby. Um, and the, the, the money that I make from it is just a bonus. Um but, um, yeah, no, I, I easily see why people do say that, though, not turn your hobby into a business because then you'll hate it. But uh, thankfully for me, it, ha- it hasn't got to that point. And I, you know, I, I try to mix things up a lot. I go, like I said, go talk to clubs, go to events like the AGA, set up a booth, meet new people. Um, you know, stuff like that, I think, helps keep it fresh and fun and exciting. Um, is I, you know, I, I did retail for 19 years, so I was used to. The main thing when I quit and started doing this full time is, like I said, I did retail for 19 years, managed a store. So literally every day I was talking to 100 people, let's say, you know, hey, how's it going? You know, can I help you find anything? You know, and then coming home and doing this, there's nobody to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the biggest change for me. Um, but, um, you know, that's why I like going and doing stuff like the AGA, um, not just for the, you know, the possibility to make money by having a booth and selling stuff. But I get to see a lot of my friends. Um, and it always kind of sucks when you're stuck at a booth for 12 hours a day or whatever, and everybody else is going out and doing fun stuff and going out to lunch and, and whatever. But, uh, you know, at night you get a chance to see them and, you know, same with like aquatic experience or whatever. Um, you know, for me, it's like a vacation almost. Um, you know, like I said, I've, I've, over the years, I've made tons of good friends in the hobby. Um, you know, and, uh, it's just, it, for me, it's, uh, I think going out and doing things and not just staying home and just, constantly you know catching shrimp selling shrimp catching you know or you know getting plants selling plants but getting away from it even though you're still immersed in it you're not doing the same thing you're at, you're out you know uh networking with people um to me i think that helps a lot mm-hmm. yeah and i mean i i think you know some of the the points you brought up there i think the ability uh, the ability to mix in some of that travel to help to break up that you know, Monday through Friday or granted it's your own business. So your seven day a week routine with, you know, the travel every, you know, every couple months being able to go out there, meet new people, um, engage with the hobby in a different capacity than just, you know, you wake up at home, you do your thing, you do kind of your routine that you have and then you go to sleep and then you kind of do it all over again. So I think that travel component is super important, you know, to not be saddled to like if you opened up your own shop, like a retail store and you were saddled to that thing seven days a week, I could totally see how that would burn somebody out. Oh, absolutely. You don't get to go anywhere whatsoever seven days a week. I mean, my parents and my dad still has it, his, his own business. And we were, you know, as a family, we were saddled to that business. We went out, we went on very, very few full family vacations with all of us being in attendance. Um, you know, somebody had to stay behind and run the business. So, you know, I I can completely understand, uh, understand that. Yeah, no, and the shop will just be by appointment only too. So it's not going to be open, you know, to the public or anything. So that gives me freedom too. You know, I don't have, I don't have to be there every day for eight hours. You know, usually I go there for like an hour, check and make sure everything's looking okay. Catch any shrimp I need to catch for the, to ship out the next day or ship out that day. Um, and you know, then I'm kind of free to go do other things, um, which makes it nice. Dude, if, if you actually open up next to that Mexican restaurant we ate at and you have, <laughs> and you have NFL Blitz Arcade, you would go I, there every single day. Cause Blitz is a gangster game. That, that game is so fun. Yeah, no, that, that's the goal is to get a few arcade games in there. So when people do come and visit, you know, it's not like 
you know, it's not high pressure sales or anything where it's like, you know, I'm like, oh, you want this shrimp? You want that shrimp? Just come relax for an hour or two. There's a fridge, grab a soda or you know, water. There's a couple video games. Here's a couch. Sit down on the couch. You know, look at your Facebook, whatever. And, you know, when you want to look at shrimp, just go look at shrimp. You Dude, know, that's like art gallery status, man. Like, yeah, you got to make an appointment. You come in, you get some refreshments in the drink. You can hang out at the couch. You just kind of peruse at your leisure. Like that feels so like upper echelon of society kind of thing. That sounds so cool. Yeah, no, it, I mean, that's the goal. I want it to be. You know, I want it to be a place where people can just kind of come hang out and relax. And, you know, um, I had a, a, um, a guy that was coming up from San Jose to go to the Sacramento Aquarium Society meeting two weeks ago, I believe, when uh, uh, what Dean from the, I think he's from the Seattle group, right? Yeah, was yeah, speaking, Gil, that's, was speaking. That's, that's Master Breeder Dean, man. We wanted to get, Corey and I wanted to go down there and crash one of his uh, one of his talks, but work has just been too hectic, so we didn't get a chance to do that. So he came, the guy came up from San Jose because he wanted to see Dean's talk or whatever, and he had bought some shrimp, and I was like, well, you know, you just want to come meet at the shop or whatever, and he's like, yeah, cool, sure, and he came and hung out for like an hour, you know, and he, I mean, it's not like I'm like right behind everybody or over their shoulder, like, go do your, go take a look at shrimp, you know, and a lot of people, like he said, you know, like, uh, I don't know how long he's been in the hobby, but he's got a few tanks, I think, and to him, it was just really cool to see all the different varieties in one room. You know, he could go this tank, see this shrimp, you know, move move down one tank. It's another shrimp, you know, to, to be able to go one place and see, let's say, 60 different kinds of shrimp. For him, it was really cool. And I assume it'll be really cool for other people, too. Now, are you going to try to to are you going to try to meet customer demand with um, only shrimp that you've bred, maybe for Neocaridinas or Caridinas, either one? Or is it going to be purely a thing where just because demand is so insatiable for the hobby right now, that you're going to have to import, you're going to have to do your quarantine process for however long to make sure you're shipping out healthy, healthy shrimp. Like, is, is that kind of the route that, you know, you and other people are going to have to kind of, you know, operate in? You know, it just depends. Cert, certain shrimp, um, I'm, I breed very well and I can keep up with the demand. Um, other shrimp, I just can't, um, you know, high grade blue bolts, for example, you know, I get, you know, two or three messages every day. You have any high grade blue bolts? You have any? High, there's no way. Even if I had five five tanks devoted to them, I could keep up with the demand. So some stuff I do import from Vin, um, and then um, with the Neos, the goal is to breed as much as I can in my own tanks. Um, but with the expansion, my other goal is to be able to do more wholesale. Um, I do get approached by a lot of uh, you know uh, mom and pop fish stores. Um, you know, that are like, Hey, you know, we want to carry shrimp, you know, can you provide us with this, 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 and this. And I never had the Neo Caradinas, which is what they want. 90% of them, it's what they're familiar with. They can basically throw it in a tank that was set up for guppies, let's say, and they're going to do all right. You know, Caradina, they'd have to set up special tanks. Not every store has an expert on, you know, shrimp keeping, um, on how to do that. So before I basically offered wholesale on Caradina, um, but I'd like to expand into offering more wholesale for Neo Caradina. So, like I said, I think I have about 11, uh, 10 tanks devoted to Neo Caradina. I have a Bloody Mary tank, a Painted Fire Red, a Blue Dream, a Yellow Neo tank. Um, and I still have three tanks open because I'm still debating whether I want to import yeah, probably you know Painted Fire Reds, Blue Dreams, and maybe Yellow Shrimp to offer more as a wholesale thing. Um, and then on the website, sell my homebred ones. Mm, interesting. So that that's you know that 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 will probably be the route I go, just because there's so many people, especially on the wholesale side, where if you don't have Neo Caradina options, they just kind of move on to somebody else because um, they'd like to get all their shrimp at one time. Um, so uh, that was you know the main part of the expansion was to be able to meet that demand as you know, when you go, when I go to AGA or when I go to all these things, there's always other aquarium shop owners there that are come checking it out. And I always get asked, Hey, do you do wholesale? Do you do wholesale? And basically I have like four or five wholesale people that I wholesale to. Um, but that was my limit. Mm. I couldn't wholesale anymore without it affecting the retail side. Sure. Um, so the goal with the expansion was to kind of be able to do a little bit more of that. Um, so we'll see how it goes. It's still, uh, you know, it's still new. And I mean, in a perfect world, I'd have the Neos breeding like crazy and I could keep up with demand, uh, you know, retail side and wholesale side. But for the, you know, like the red, the painted fire reds, the blue dreams, I just don't know if that's going to be a reality without importing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it all, it, it makes sense. And I know for, for the Neos, I mean, at, at Aquarium Co-op and in our retail store, we only care in 
carry uh, Neo Caradinas. So I don't know if we would ever move into carrying one of the hardier Caradina varieties, but I just know right now from a retail store perspective, it's just, you know, you, you pretty much stick to Neo Caradina. Yeah, no, not like I said, I have a few shops that uh, I wholesale to Caradina shrimp um, that do very well with them. Um, because thankfully, I'm able to offer them at a pretty low price wholesale. Um, you know, with the, the main goal being to expand the hobby, you know, it, the more people that see these shrimp in their local fish store, the more people it's going to bring into the hobby, which is the goal. It doesn't benefit just me. It benefits every other business that's in the hobby, every person that's in the hobby. The more people involved, the better. Um, so and I think the best way to get people into the hobby that aren't familiar with it is if a f- local fish store has a couple aquariums with them. Um, and then, you know, from there they can, you know, decide what they want. You know, if they want to go the Caradina route, then they can, you know, buy the substrate, uh, you know, buy the remineralizers, RO if they want, and, and go that route. Or they can just pick the Neos and stick with those. But, um, you know, thankfully, a lot of the stores that I deal with, they say they do really well with them. So that's a good sign. Yeah, I think that's also a good point, like just increasing the 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 number of people that are in the hobby, growing the hobby, keeping that always in the back of your mind that, you know, if you're ever on the border of feeling like you're being burned out, you know, because you turned your hobby into a business, you doing that, right, and and running this online site, doing your wholesaling, and also going and traveling and speaking and judging, like those are all things that help to contribute to growing the hobby, making the hobby more vibrant and active and interactive. So, you know, I I would say even for me, like helping to keep that in the back of my my mind is I'm, I'm helping to, you know, do whatever it is for Aquarium Co-op or with Aquarius Podcast or, you know, any of the silly fish related stuff that I'm doing that, you know, hopefully that publicity, hopefully, you know, just getting one more media outlet for people to consume that are in the tropical fish and shrimp space, you know, maybe, maybe it brings one or two more people into the hobby. Well, and it does. I mean, that that's, that's really the only way we can add people to the hobby, you know, is, you know, whether, you know, with your podcast, somebody stumbles across it and they learn about, you know, Achilles or whatever and they're like oh i'd really like to try this fish out and they you know maybe they can't get it from their local fish store but they have it sent in specially or whatever and they try it and they get hooked that's the thing is once most people with aquariums once once they try one aquarium they get one aquarium going and if people are there to help them be successful with that aquarium that one aquarium quickly becomes four aquariums five aquariums six aquariums so that you know it's not just you know showing them is great but also helping them to be successful is, is important as well. Yeah, so I mean, on that note, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's unfortunate for people that don't have good local fish stores or even a local fish store in their area, and they relied on Walmart uh, for their their fish supply. You know, it's kind of this blessing and a, and a curse with Walmart no longer selling live fish, because I would have to imagine that now, you know, people that may have had that bad experience buying a fish at Walmart and then completely leaving the hobby altogether, um, you know, those aren't going to happen anymore. I'm sure that there probably are the scenarios of, yeah, you know, I bought my fish from Walmart and it ended up being a terrible experience because the information just wasn't there and they had the gumption or they had the drive to learn. They go on YouTube and they stumble across, you know, like an aquarium co-op YouTube channel or, you know, uh, Aquapros or whoever it is that's giving, that's putting out some good content and good information um, that's, that's based in experience and they can then resurrect their, their time and they can resurrect their experience in the hobby and move forward and have really, really positive experiences. Um, so, but I feel like that, that scenario is in the minority though. I feel like most people that probably bought fish at Walmart had a terrible experience, um, and just, you know, and they just leave the hobby and they, well, yeah, they leave the hobby and they leave that 10 gallon on the side of the road that we all drive by and we're like, Oh man, that's an aquarium. Should I stop and get that? (laughs) And sometimes we do, but you know, we all see that aquarium on the side of the road and it's, you know, that was that. and, And the sad thing about that is at one point that was just pure excitement. That was pure excitement for a kid. That was pure excitement for an adult. That was pure excitement for a family. And then it turned into this thing that just spiraled out of control everything died and it's just well there goes you know 200 bucks that uh that you know we're never going to get back and we just have this terrible experience impressioned on us and we're never going to keep fish again yeah no i mean it was an opportunity to get one person or a family hooked and you know whether it was walmart or whoever sold it to them or whoever didn't help them or they didn't take it upon themselves to go find the correct information i mean we lost them you know and it's unfortunate but i hate i mean you see it all the time in the shrimp community as well you know, people buy shrimp one time, like not everybody has 60 bucks to spend every two weeks to get 10 new shrimp. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people that 60 bucks is that's what they're going to spend. And if they're not successful, then they're gone from the hobby. 
you know, so it, it's really important, in my opinion, to give people the best information you can, be as helpful as you can. I field questions. Day, I mean, I probably get between friends, between, you know, uh, other businesses, people, probably 50 messages a day on Facebook and people that are just, I have a question. I don't know the answer to this. Can you help me? What do you, what's your opinion on it? Um, and I think it's important for us to give back. And even though that person didn't buy the shrimp from me, that person may never buy anything from me, but that's not the point. The point is I want them to be successful because maybe in two years, you know, they're super successful and they're, they do buy something from me. You know, it, 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 it helps everybody. The more successful we can make every hobbyist, it's, it's better for everybody. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the, that's the perfect attitude to have. And it's, it's the hard one. That's the more difficult path to take because it would be easy to just ignore those messages or to give them very terse, very, um, you know, scripted responses. But the fact that you're going to go and spend that time to give those answers, I mean, that's, that's the better, more difficult route. No, and and it's just, I don't know. It, I I feel like I, I I try to be a pretty decent person in life, and you know, it to me, it's ten minutes, fifteen minutes of my life. I can give fifteen minutes to help somebody. You know, it's not it, it it's not that big of a deal. You know, some people look at it the other way, like, oh, you didn't buy those for me. Well, ask the person you bought them from, or are you going to buy this for me if I tell you about it for ten minutes? You know, it, to me, it's just a different mindset. It's explain everything to them, where and let them make the decision. Most people really are thankful for the help and they will decide to make a purchase down the road or whatever. But, you know, it, it, it's about getting people on the right foot, setting them up to succeed. And then hopefully they stay within the hobby and the hobby continues to grow. Nice. So what else do you see as far as, uh, in, in the business, like what other kind of, yeah, I don't want to call them lofty, but what do you, what do you see within the next five years of something that you'd like to get into without, you know, opening up too much of the biped shrimp playbook? You know, um, Honestly, I mean, nothing major, no major changes um, that I that I see in the future. But I would like to, uh, you know, I started out, my first aquarium I ever had were guppies. Um, just regular, like, $2 guppies from the pet. None of the nice fancy stuff like we see everywhere now. But I, I'd like to start a couple aquariums, I think, with some really nice guppies. Um, whether I do that at the shop or the house, one of the two, you know, maybe a couple, you know, uh, I don't even know what the correct size that they recommend for a group of, you know, four or five guppies is. I'd have to do a little research. Um, but whether it's a 10-gallon or a 20-long or whatever, I'd like to set up a couple tanks because some of these guppies are beautiful. I see uh, You see more and more people with uh, guppies now. And um, some of the patterns and, like, the, uh, you know, the tails and everything um, really strike me. So I, I'd like to, I think, set up, like, maybe two or three. And I say two or three knowing that that will quickly become 10 or 20. Um Two or three guppy tanks, I think. I mean, I think guppies are just the the Caradina equivalent, right in the fish world. I mean, they're, the variety, um, the 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 tail patterns, the body patterns. I mean, there's color, there's patterning, there's even like the Dumbo ears that you see out there. Like, it's crazy the amount of varieties uh, of of guppies that are out there. And actually, I think right now what I'm really enjoying, and as I you know kick off my official YouTube video career and I'm actually starting to put out video content now to, to kind of share these cool experiences that I'm doing and, and things that are going on in my fish room because people kind of miss that or at least when I talked about it in the very, very early episodes. Um, I've got uh, two 40-gallon tanks right now that have um, kind of guppy colonies. I have dispersed, you know, male females to 10-gallon to, to tanks around the fish room just to have, you know, not all my eggs in one basket for a particular strain. So I actually, you know, put some decent coin out there on Aquabit and I brought in some black tie Moscows, so very fancy kind of guppy, but, you know, blacked out fish, basically. The males are just yeah. super black, very, very cool. And these things are kind of a retail at 20 bucks a pair. They're, they're, they're that kind of guppy. And then at, at the co-op, you know, we had these mixed tanks of assorted guppies that we bring in and we sell for, I don't know, n- you know, nothing compared to $20. And there, yeah. there were these like kind of metallic sheen ones. I'm like, oh, I want two trios of these guys. And I was very specific about which ones I was. I was actually being that kind of customer to my own store of, I don't know, these males, these females. And right now, like those guppies, and I think Corey and Robert had told me they're like, you know, metallic head, something, something guppies, but they're not, they're not the expensive ones, but they are freaking amazing. And I am absolutely loving these fish right now. And they're, they're in right now with, um, 
uh, super red bristle nose that are just popping off breeding babies and 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 actually the hornwort in this tank so all the hornwort that's like spread out in my fish room came from you so that's pretty cool um, yeah that stuff grows like crazy i put i i probably put one piece that was like 18 inches i cut it into like eight or ten pieces and put it in the neo caradina tanks at the shop and now each one of them's like two feet long dude it's it's incredible man and then the, the, what i like to do is take pieces of spiderwood and just um, sink, sink it down. And so then it mm-hmm. ends up growing up, right? Even though I don't have substrate, it still kind of gives the illusion of that. But the moment it hits the water surface, it then starts dispersing out laterally. So, I mean, it's, it, it's incredible. Like the, the way this hornwort's taken off, but yeah, that's none, a good idea. Nonetheless, that's all being me being very long winded. I'll snap some, I'll snap some footage of these guys for you. And if you want any of these, I'd be more than happy to send you some free of charge. I mean, just to hook you up if you like this particular variety. And I say that only if you want them, because there are so many flavors of guppies out there that you may be like, you know what? No, that freaking uh, rainbow sherbet, cream sickle, delta tail, whatever the hell they're calling it, that's yeah. the one that I want. Um, and, and yeah, it, no, it, it, it's definitely something I need to. It's definitely something if I'm going to get into it, I need to do more research on it, um, and then you know actually look at all the strains and maybe pick my two or three favorite because I, I really. Don't ha- I mean I have the room technically, but I don't have the room, you know, to mm-hmm. to add twenty tanks. But I'd I'd like to add a couple tanks, I think, and and just just for fun, not for not with the intention to sell them on the website or anything, but just more of a uh, a fun thing, you know. One of the uh, one of the few things you can do to keep the hobby fresh, you know, mm-hmm. add, add, do something a little different. I was just gonna say, man, it's just fun. Like that is the best way to describe a tank that's just popping off with guppies. It's just fun. Yeah, like it is. It's so enjoyable. All right, Eric. Well, we have uh, we've approached the getting close to that hour mark. It's getting late over here on the West Coast at ten thirty. So, man, thank you very much for uh, for staying up late with me. Uh, I know you've put in a, a full busy day getting this shop running. Uh, when when do you expect like the official you know lights on? You are you know fully moved into the space. Um, fairly soon. I mean, basically, um, you know, once I get the rest of the shrimp in there, which is that's basically just taking the time to catch the shrimp, which catching shrimp out of 50 tanks, I don't think people realize how much time that has taken me. Because <laughs> um, I have some tanks that, you know, even though it's a nine-gallon tank, it had 500 shrimp in it. Oh, man, that's awesome. So, and and if a, if a tank just had three buried females give babies, that's like 50 or 60, like, microscopic shrimp in there. So basically what I did was I caught all the big ones out of most of the tanks, um, and then I go back like a week or two later and catch all the babies um, that I missed. Because um, usually within about two weeks, they get a little bit bigger, a little more colorful, and they're a little bit easier to see. Um, but, um, I mean, if somebody was coming by, right, you know, if somebody messaged me and said, hey, I'm going to be in the Sacramento area tomorrow. I'd like to come see the shop. Then obviously that I'd open it up for them and they could come take a look. Um, I feel like it may be one of those things that's always kind of a work in progress mm, um, yeah. that will never fully be done. Um, but it's, it's at a point right now where people could feel free to say, Hey, I want to stop by and take a look at shrimp or, um, whatever, just a few minor things that need to be done. I haven't moved like the products and everything over to the shop yet. Um, that I was waiting until all the shrimp were over there and everything, um, to move all the products over there as well, to make it where I can do all the orders at one place. Um, so the products will be going over soon. Um, and then after that, everything's about done. I mean, I've, like I said, I have a few more shrimp to move over. Um, but, uh, just a few tanks are, uh, you know, a couple of the new tanks are cycling still, but I mean, 90% of it's basically done. Well, I think, I think definitely before the year's out, before 2019's out, I'm going to fly down there and I'll, I'll you know, if, if you don't mind, I'll come down there and hang out with you again. Um, just to check the place out, get those amazing tacos and uh, yeah, no, and if you're like you said, if you're doing your YouTube thing again or whatever, you can make a YouTube video of it or whatever. Oh well, we'll, we'll for sure do an audio podcast down there. But yeah, definitely, uh, definitely do f- film some stuff down there because I mean, I could, I mean, we could basically do a day trip out of it. I could fly down super early in the morning at a SeaTac. Um, actually, is is are, are they doing flights to Sacramento out of Payne Field? Because that one's way closer than SeaTac. Either way, um, I mean you, that, that's pretty much a day trip. Fly down there, uh, drive up to your spot, and then fly back on a uh, on a late flight. I mean that's that's totally yeah. Doable no, that's easy. Day. Yeah, that's that's totally. And I could even pick you up at the airport and drive you back, so you don't even got to rent a car or whatever. But Do I Southwest a- always has Southwest always has really good deals, so you can find a good deal if you book it enough in advance. Oh, for sure. Only if I get to drive the Challenger though. 
You can drive it. Oh, I, I tell people, yes. People all the time ask, and I go, okay, yeah, you can drive it. They're like, uh, no, okay, Dude, I don't want to drive that it. That car is so scary fast. Oh, my goodness. I man. need I need to get new tires on it, though. So. Oh, man. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. Well, it's been uh, fantastic catching up with you again, Eric. I've, you know, I, 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 having you on as the first guest, I mean, I think it was just divine intervention. You and I, we've hit it off so well. We've seen each other at Aquatic Experience. We've seen each other at uh, the Seattle Club when you talked. We saw each other at AGA. I've been down to your house. I mean, we've broke bread together. Like, it, it's it's been a great friendship just to, you know, that's come from me reaching out to you. And actually, it was me reaching out to you on your website of the chat with us. And I'm like, I'm just going to reach out to this Eric Lucas guy and see if he wants to be guest number one or a guest on the podcast. And, you know, you said yes. And the rest is kind of history. And I think we've got a, a great friendship from it. Yeah, no, I definitely consider you one of my better friends in the hobby. So you're you're always welcome here at the house or at the shop or, or whatever, wherever I see you. Awesome, buddy. Well, thank you very much. And we'll make sure uh, I've got all the links to Buy Pet Shrimp on there. Are you putting up YouTube videos? You know, I just started putting up some content, not really Good. videos uh, okay. uh, per se. I, I did some auctions on there and stuff, or not necessarily auctions, but with Facebook's new policies on live animals, I take a video of some shrimp and put them up on my, uh, on my YouTube and say, you know, um, these are $150 for these three shrimp or whatever. Um, and then people contact me. I, I believe it's, it's, uh, I think it's by pet shrimp is my YouTube. Um, but the goal is, yeah, to, I mean, not any fancy videos like Corey makes or you'll make or whatever, but just kind of basic, you know, here's what's going on at the shop today, you know, type videos, nothing like, you know, highly edited or anything. It'll be probably sure. me cussing a lot and <laughs> messing up a lot and, you know, dropping stuff at the shop or smashing nice. a shrimp with a shrimp net or something, oh, trying to catch it. Well, I'll make um, sure uh, I'll, I'll find the, I'll find your YouTube channel. I'll put a link to that in the show notes and I'll make sure your, your Facebook and all that stuff. Um, so people can find out if, if you haven't gone back and listened to Randy's attempt at a podcast with episode one i highly recommend you go back not because of me but to listen to eric lucas and all the cool stuff because you dropped a lot of knowledge on me because i was just so fresh back into the hobby i had no clue about so many things and you did a great job educating me and you know 64 some odd episodes later here we are Yep. So maybe about another year and a half, it'll be a uh, third time. <laughs> I know. Well, it'd be sooner than that if I fly down before. Uh, yeah, if you come down. The years out. Yeah. All right, Eric. Man, it's been fantastic. Thank you so much, and I hope everybody goes and checks out your website and all the uh, the cool social media stuff you have. Awesome. Thank you, Randy.